As you walk through the valley of the shadow of hell, you will see through the fog a bend in reality, a veil that is beyond your own comprehension. It's the other side, beyond the void. That's right, it's episode 331, and we are continuing our Pride Month celebrations! Celebrate now. <laughs> so, we uh, decided to pick some movies that are Pride friendly, queer friendly, you know, that uh, are slashers, by the way. So, these are considered to be queer slashers. Technically, it was called gay slashers before that but i think you know now it's like kind of embracing everyone you know a wide swath of different types of people and i think we tried to pick two movies that we felt like were a little bit more underground that maybe people didn't see especially us we've seen a lot of fucking horror movies that have gay representation or some sort of queer friendly message in it Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the movies that I looked up just to see what other people were watching, I'd already, we've already done on the podcast and stuff. So it's like, I was trying to pick something that we hadn't seen ourselves and also something maybe you might not have seen as well. Right. So this week we're going to be talking about Hellbent from 2004 and Pitchfork from 2016. Covers a pretty large area of uh, filmmaking right there. So I have never seen either of these films. and uh, Me either. I, I didn't even know Hellbent. Well, I think I do knew Hellbent existed, but I had never seen it for sure. And I don't think I've ever saw it on the shelf or anything. Well, it's it. very independent. Yeah. So, But uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of interesting because I'm not the biggest slasher guy. And I always have never been that big guy. I mean, I do like the big, big, big slashers, you know, like everybody else. Right. Freddy, you know, like that was one of my favorite ones. Um, and Jason's might probably the follow up for me. Do you have a preference? Like, what's your favorite out of all the slashers? Uh, probably Jason. Jason, yeah. really? Okay. Yeah. You just like the straightforward killing. Me, I like. I like the story. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, these aren't exactly. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward, but, you know, within its own realm, I still think you're allowed to rate those movies from one to ten. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember I was talking to a friend who was like, those movies are all written ter- terribly and not just Friday, but any slasher. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, but that's kind of what's good about them, right? You know, like you can't. Right. So, and the same thing goes for these movies. You know, there's a little bit of silliness in slashers that's just fun for people. And I think I'm sort of coming around to it a little bit more. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, finding some of these kind of like missing gems that have just been kind of sitting around that are slashers that I never watched. 
mm-hmm. like Madman's one of those ones that I never watched when I was a kid. I remember the cover. Oh yeah. And I never watched that one. You know, right. I don't know why. And I love that one. That's like one of my favorite. It's like a seven and a half for me, but it's still like so ridiculously good in some way. I don't know what it, it does something for me. Uh-huh. So hopefully these slashers will do something for you. And maybe you'll open yourself up to some slashers within the queer community, which um, I think both of these movies deserve some credit. I agree. I won't get into how much credit <laughs> until we start talking about the movies. But so, how are you, Christina? How's uh, everything going? The world's on fire right now, literally, like up in Canada. <laughs> well, at least Murray's doing better from his skin infection. So, and then we heard back from the vet. So, right, it's not that bad. So, I'm happy. Yeah, he's healing, the guys. So bur- he's doing much better. If you're wondering, the world can burn. I'm fine. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if they put out the fires. Did they put out the fires up in Canada? I don't think so, but I know all the smoke went was all up in New York City. And then also, I guess there's parts of New York City being um, um, invaded by honeybees. Oh, wow. Yeah. Were they just pushed? Yeah. I, I don't know if it's because of the smoke, but they said that a lot of the hotels and stuff have beehives up on top well i was i was hearing I, it's weird got, they get loose i don't know if it's connected but i know that there's been africanized honeybees or whatever that have been stinging a lot of people lately yeah th- here is that what been, it was there's been two incidents here already yeah like old year. people too which is mm-hmm. like crazy like um they're just doing the lord's work dude i was watching <laughs> this guy and he was talking this old man he was like i was just trying to cover my my mouth my nose my ears because they were crawling inside of his orifices and he had to actually pull them out with his fingers as they were stinging him. Ugh, like, Jesus Christ, they man. They got a nest somewhere, you know? <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was really painful. I was like, I can't even imagine. I saw somebody trying to take care of the, because apparently the Afri- Africanized uh, bees are, are more aggressive. Yeah, and you can't run. Right. Yeah. So, like, I watched a guy who was a beekeeper who was like, you know, he uh, basically, what do they call him? Exterminator. He's an exterminator. Oh, okay. And he literally had his camera and he walks underneath a beehive and instantly they all just started coming out. He didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Just that how, that's how angry they were. They're the Karens of the bee world. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. It's probably because all this crossbreeding bullshit. You know what I mean? Like what is. Or- it could be climate change. You don't know. Yeah, that's true. Forcing different breeds of birds and yep. be- and flying objects. I mean, we've only hit a hundred degree. It's fu- it's fucking June. We've only hit a hundred degrees like twice. Like something's wrong with that. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what would Arizona be like. Would it be drought? Would it be cold? Would it be you know? We're not prepared for cold, so I would assume that would probably be the worst for us out here. Well, when it's not a hot summer, it's usually a really cold winter. Right. So that's scary. And it's fucking cold out here when it gets cold too. So. Yeah. It's like bone chilly. <laughs> Watch it start snowing here and shit. Oh my god, that would be well, we've had it snow here before. I mean it snows in Cape Creek, which is only twenty five. Well it's higher minutes. elevation. We're not right. It's seventeen hundred or nineteen hundred from Phoenix. Right. Anyway. Anyway. Uh I've been trying guys to do videos and stuff, so I'm really sorry that I haven't been able to do it. You can ask Christina. Like I'll literally sleep for seven hours. Wake up for an hour. Wake up for an hour and then be asleep on the couch for the next three, four hours. She can't, it's like, I can't even do anything about it. There's nothing I can do. It sucks. I hate it. 
But you know what I don't hate? He's Pride Month! No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm trying to be a little more positive, I guess. Start going down to the darkness. Dude, I got to tell everybody about my dream and then we'll move on, okay? Okay. So I have been using a white noise machine. And I know this is all like, you know, pseudo fucking whatever. But I'm just trying to pinpoint what it is. Ever since I was a child, I have been able to lucid dream. If you don't know what lucid dreaming is, it is where you basically are fully aware of your entire surroundings in the dream. And you have, in some ways, if an example would be like in Dream Warriors, part three of Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street's uh, movie, where Mm -hmm. they actually take control of their lives. I've always used that in my mind. Ever since I saw that when I was a little kid, it was highly influential on me because I had a lot of sleeping problems as a kid. Uh-huh. And so for many years, I have been practicing controlling my dreams. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, you just can't control them. Right. And you'll just repeat shit over and over and over again. I've been doing that a lot lately, but I've been getting tired of it. So last mm-hmm. night, <laughs> I had a dream that Christina had joined a cult. Of course. She didn't tell me she joined a cult. She wanted to surprise me. And she said, hey, I found this really cool thing. It's about positivity. And, you know, we're just going to go out to him. Toxic positivity. Right. And so, like, I'm like, I go there and I'm like, Christina, what the fuck is this? Like, you know, like, everybody's being really nice. Well, of Super, course, they're cult right, members. Right. They got to lure you in, bitch. And they're like, you know, you're on your phone a lot, Alex. You know, you're... Boy, you're really getting negative on that news out there. You know, I don't know. And Christina's like, you know, just really enjoying it. And the, this guy, the leader or whatever. It was was like, he hot? I don't know. He, <laughs> he just had longer hair. Like, it's weird. I, I remember features of people. They say you can't see people's faces. Mm-hmm. I kind of knew what he looked like. You know, I can't describe it very well. But I know he had, like, just below ear length hair. Oh, okay. Um, He kind of looked like... Uh, What's his name? Brad from Hangover, the actor. Oh. We fucked up that guy. Oh. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so he kind of looked like that from Limitless as well, that guy. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, they were like, it was just like this slow boil process. You know what I mean when I buy slow boil, like the, the frog in the boiling pot. Right. And they were trying to do that to me to try to wear me down and make me out to be this like really negative thing. And Christina was going along with it. And I was getting really fucking mad. So I'd literally been asleep for an hour and a half, maybe two hours, if that. Mm -hmm. And came out in the living room and I was like, "Uh uh-uh, no. I don't know what the fuck you're up to, Christina. Started blaming me. Yeah, she was... (laughs) She's, what the fuck are you talking about? She's in her office working, and so she can't really communicate with me because she's... I'm not even supposed to be there, but I was p- panicking. <laughs> I was getting really mad at her. I was I felt so fucking betrayed, guys, <laughs> by her in my dream. I was just like... And it's some sort of weird insecurity because I've been so negative, and I'm like, when's everybody going to just start leaving me and stop being my friends kind of weird thought you had before you had go to bed or something? Uh-huh. I got in an argument with somebody. I won't say who, but... But it, it, it stirred that emotion up somehow. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then I made an entire story, a very elaborate, specific, right. which she was like, Jesus Christ, you remember everything in your he, fucking dreams. He, yeah, and he's like, right, he's like describing the building and describing. Right. I was like, Jesus Christ. I was like, and I was like, they were like, yeah, you know, kind of like how metal music is kind of so negative, you know? And I was like, what's so negative about metal music? I was like, I listen to industrial. Oh, well, let me guess. That's bad, huh? And they're like, he's a he's a funny one, huh, Christina? You didn't tell us how funny Alex was. 
like trying to fucking wear me down, dude. And it was like psychologically, it was fucking with me because she was not, I wasn't able to like discuss with her because I was like trying to keep up appearances. They got to keep us separated. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But you were just like going along with it because you didn't want to like interrupt her thing. I was ready to fucking fight people. <laughs> I was getting ready to fucking start, you know, like literally fucking knocking dudes out because I was so mad. Right. Because I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I was, I was so hurt by you. Like, I was just, I was so mad, but I was so sad at the same time. And I and I had to wake myself up. I knew I was in a dream, too. That's the fucked up thing. Right. But I was trying to control it. It wasn't going where I wanted as much. And I was like, all right, time to wake up. Well, yeah, because I barely leave the house. Why would I go join a cult? Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, But the fucked up part is, and this is where reality bled over into my dream world is that she wasn't able to pay attention to me and I was expecting to get some sort of like, hey, it's just a dream, everything's okay. And she was just like, yeah, uh-huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> time, 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 time. Yeah, like she was to me in the dream. <laughs> so it was like not helping at all. <laughs> anyway, I think it might be that time. What time is it? Horseshots! So, we're going to need a drink after that story, huh? Uh, maybe some therapy. Yeah, I'm falling asleep again. I'm oh, my God. Wow. That was a joke. Yeah, well, join that a call, you joke. dumb bitch. <laughs> I was always thinking about, like, if I was going to join a cult, which cult would I join? Oh, my God. None. None of them. Don't join any cults. If you want to join a cult. <laughs> I might. Oh, I'd like to. I would probably join more the Mormons. All right, Christina. We didn't need but, to talk okay, about anyway, cults. The, anyway, the so. We have a drink that is based on the movie Hellbent, which is a guy that goes around killing people with a sickle. He's dressed like a devil in the movie, a silver masked devil, which you often see him in shadowy areas. And in the movie, one of the characters kept calling him Devil Daddy, <laughs> which I fucking love, by the that way. That's great. <laughs> He's like, damn, Devil Daddy's fucking coming up here kind of close, you know? <laughs> I was like, that's it. Christina looked at me. She was like, yep. yeah, I already wrote it down. Yeah. And then afterwards, they go to a bar and they order a a flaming penis, which I didn't think was a drink. Oh, it's a drink. It's, Everything's a drink. It's a drink. So we decided to take its ingredients and we're calling this one a Devil Daddy. Yep. Christina, can you tell me what is in a Devil Daddy? Yes, I can. It is one tablespoon of grenadine, and we got ice. We got four ounces of orange juice, an ounce of rum, and then a half an ounce of strawberry syrup. Right. And you mix it all together, or is there a specific way you ladle yeah, it in? Yeah, you, you put... you. Put a bunch of ice in it and stir it. That's it. Okay. So, yeah, we're going to put this in like a whiskey glass. It's kind of like a cocktail, I guess. Yeah. But a strong one, you know? So, it has a little bit more flavor, I hope. <laughs> uh, I'm going to see how strong it is, but let's see. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. To Devil Daddy. Mmm. <laughs> Ooh. It's got a little bottom kick there. I don't like it. What is it also called? A flaming penis. Hmm. Maybe that's the smell of the balls in our throat. <laughs> Maybe they didn't clean themselves when they drank. I don't. I'm done there. <laughs> Thank you. It's kind of like, a, the, I think it's the Admiral's rum that you used. Yeah, it was because that's I, all we had. It's because, yeah, that's all we had. 
if you want to use real rum, use some Captain Morgan or something, uh, or a higher grade rum. But yeah, the Admirals has this like weird bottom. Oh, and that's what you're tasting. Yeah, like it hits me low in the throat. I don't know mm-hmm. how to explain it. That's why I keep saying bottom, not mm-hmm. because it's assholes or something. <laughs> I know it's apropos, but God. that's not what I'm talking about, guys. <laughs> Calm the fuck down. Happy Pride Month. Anyway, <laughs> so so if you would like to try a Devil Daddy, all you have to do is go to longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shot section now. That's it for horror shots. All right, guys, time to get into our flesh and potatoes of our Gay Prime Month Especial with Hellbent from 2004 and Hitchfork from 2016. And we're going to go ahead and do that right now. Christina did the work on the first one. Christina, where can you watch this film? And when did it come out? Hellbent? Hellbent? Hellbent was released June 26, 2004 at the San Francisco International Lesbian and Gay Film Festival. Nice. And the DVD was released in 2006. I saw that, yeah. Yeah. They re-released it in another country, but it's in a different uh, it's a different uh, region. Disc. Oh. It's kind of it's kind of rare, but I looked it up. It's only like twelve bucks online, so you can get it on eBay or something. Yeah, it's not that bad. But you can watch it on uh, Amazon for two ninety nine, I think, rent. Yeah, or you can watch it on Here TV. Oh, that's right. If you have a subscription. Yeah, which I think you can actually get the subscription through Amazon. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven seven day trial or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Halloween in West Hollywood. Two guys making out in a park are interrupted by a serial killer. Later that night, a group of gay kids decide to visit the site of the murders. Tagline, when the night belongs to the devil, the party goes to hell. <laughs> I like that tagline. Yeah, it's better than most. That's for sure. A little <laughs> long, but yeah. Uh, this is written and directed by Paul Etheridge. He also directed Angel of Death from 2009 and two episodes of Buried Alive from 2007. Is currently a production designer for Eli Ross History of Horror and Eli Ross Presents the Legion of Exorcists from 2023. Mm. Starring D- Dylan Fergus, who plays Eddie. He was Noah on the long-running soap Passions from 2005 to 2007. Uh, he, was in, he was in an episode of Two Sentence Horror Stories from 2019. We also have Brian Kirkwood, who plays Jake. Uh, he was in The Devil's Prey from 2001, The Forsaken from 2001, and A Midsummer Night's Rave from 2002. Is The Forsaken the one with uh, the one where he sings the song and keeps passing? We were just talking about that recently. Oh, yeah, I think it's so. Is yeah. it Forsaken or The Forsaken? I can't remember. Oh, I don't know. But it's around that time, so anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, we have Hank Harris, who plays Joey. He was in Insidious Chapter 2. Okay. He was in Pumpkin from 2002, Mercury Rising from 1998, tons of TV, and he played Dr. Jekyll on Once Upon a Time TV series. Okay. All right, we have Andrew Levitas. Andrew Levitas, who plays Chaz, is, is mostly an executive producer on movies like The White Crow, 2018, The Quarry from 2020, and a writer on... He was a writer on... Mina Mata. Yeah, Mina Mina from 2020. 
I have no idea what the budget for this was. I, I don't. I'm assuming it wasn't too much, but it did gross $183,000. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pretty good amount of money domestically for you know a smaller. I mean, this is not one to say it's a small, small budget because it seems like they did a lot in this movie. Right. But it is an indie uh, indie film, you know technically so mm-hmm. but yeah they a lot of these actors went on to do bigger things and or and or had done bigger things so. right they're good but uh what do you think about this movie for your first time alex well this is a movie that actually was a pretty big surprise to me i actually rather enjoyed it although there was some parts in the third act that were a little rough like it kind of dragged a little bit Right. Which was a little odd for me, considering it has like a sort of a regular three act structure sort of thing going on. Mm -hmm. But it's really straightforward. You know, Um, it's very, very, very much like a regular sort of slasher. Only the whole world around it is completely uh, like a gay community, Mm -hmm. which, you know, you don't really see in a lot of movies, to be honest. No, you don't at all. Not like that. I don't know if it was necessarily intentional. It's not like, you know, the everybody's gay in the movie. I think it was just their world. And it was done unabashedly in a way that was like, well, this is the gay world. You know what I mean? Like, there's no rhyme or reason for it. It just is, which is kind of bold, I would say, for 2004. Uh, Yeah, totally. Not that it was like, I I think it was probably more accepted then than it is nowadays, almost. They kind of took, like, the characters and the tropes of, like, the typical sort of female slasher characters or male slasher characters and the tropes and then kind of fit them into this one instead of trying to be like pick out like different types of gay people you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it was like kind of like they replaced the characters um from like older slashers and then put them as gay characters in the movie which is interesting Mm -hmm. um but yeah at no point in time was it uh I wouldn't say it was boring at all. Like, I, I thought it was actually really good. There were some funny moments in the movie. A lot of the dialogue was actually really funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the stuff that they were saying to one another was a little out there. but And you can tell it is a little bit of an indie product. You know, like, there are some really kind of rough around the edges moments in the film. But overall, there's some pretty damn good shots in the movie. Uh, it is a very competent slasher, I would say. It wasn't, you know... It wasn't a slasher that blew me away. Like, I didn't get, like, amazed by it. But it is... I'm surprised that I haven't seen it. It was it was good enough that I was like, damn, why have I not seen this movie? Uh-huh. You know? So I was very surprised by that. There is some actual gore in the film. Even though the director originally wasn't going to show any, mm-hmm. I'm glad that they did. Because there is a lot of beheadings in this movie. Yeah. And and they do it in different ways, which I thought was kind of interesting because, you know, just chopping people's heads off can get pretty boring. I've seen other horror movies that where they steal people's heads and that gets kind of old after a while. But they, they do some different ways of grabbing people's heads in this movie that I thought was really cool. Right. And the character, the the slasher, the devil daddy is pretty stoic and interesting and kind of. I like how he went around and just killed everybody and just like is collecting heads, which is just great. Right. And they didn't explain like why or or, which is great. Total slasher fashion. Like if you like old slashers, this is kind of like a little bit more of a modern take, obviously. Uh, But it still kind of keeps true to the old formula in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. which I really kind of think is kind of a successful film in a way mm-hmm. you know it's not one that i'm gonna watch a lot but i would love to own it honestly mm-hmm. uh i would probably give this one like a 6.5 
I liked the gore. I liked the characters in some ways. They were all a little different. They all had their own, you know, issues, their own sins that they were getting killed for, essentially. But yeah, I think it's a it's a very competent slasher film that you should watch if you like slashers 100 percent mm-hmm. christina what'd you think oh though? what was your score 6.5 oh maybe what? even a seven i mean it's 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 just on the cusp there like like i think it could have been better if there was a couple of moments that there was a couple of moments it did drag a little bit just a little bit mm-hmm. it's not like it's yeah. a minor gripe oh yeah totally we we did watch it um the way it was streaming, it's it's very low quality. Right. You can't see much. It's a, it's a little grainy. Yeah, ex- but I mean, eventually, the movie is interesting enough that you kind of overlook that, the quality of the actual thing, because I know it really bothered you at first. Oh, well, no, I just, you know, I think it deserves an upgrade. I think this movie deserves to have a better print. Oh, yeah, I do, too. Because, like, it just, it looks good. There's some really cool shots in this film. There's some cool shots in there. I love how it takes place on Halloween night. So it's a Halloween movie, movie you know, which is great. Um, the, It was well acted. I love the locations and the set design because, you know, it was it was really West Hollywood. Uh, I love how it was a group of friends and not just the stereotypical one gay friend in, you know, the right. mix of the group because it, it gives that whole perspective of, the community and everything fair yeah i yeah because i mean that's not a real good representation no usually and like i said before it didn't really get into the origins of the killer we don't know why he's doing it but it it did make it more suspenseful i thought um it is unfortunate that like you said in the middle the dialogue starts dragging the pacing starts to get really slow and i thought there should have been more kills Right, it because, felt like yeah, a little light on that. Yeah, or they or they killed too many people w- in the same amount of time, so you kind of miss, you know, mm-hmm. s- shit. Which I don't like that at all. But yeah, it was it kind of dragged in the middle. But it's it's just nice. To, I thought it was a it was good. It was a nice movie. It is one of its kind, even though it's like the same story, like you said. They just yeah, it's nothing elaborate. It's just it's just a slasher film. That's what slasher films are. They're supposed to be pretty straightforward. Right. You know, kill people. You know, as long as you want the the characters, each of their their things to die. You know, like in the way that they were supposed to die. Right. Very unfortunate for all the friends in this movie. <laughs> right. But yeah, I give it a six out of ten. Six. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think 6.5 is good for me. So 6.25 between the two of us. Um, it definitely surprised me and it made me feel stupid for not watching this. Um, but you know, I can't watch them all. That's why we did this podcast. Right, to- we found this one and I think, uh, I found it on a gay times news article ad. Oh, for the best queer horror films. Yeah. For Halloween. Yeah. A lot of people tend to pick sort of the, um, you know, like F- F- nightmare on Elm street Two. Right. You know, like uh, typical ones, you know, but I really wanted to find something a little bit more unique. And I think this is definitely. This is yeah, yeah, this, this is, is definitely it. And I and I don't know if the director is, uh, you know, LGBTQIA or if they're if they're gay or not, but they were asked to do it. And there's a lot of information on, you know, they wanted to make a gay friendly film. So I thought that was pretty interesting for its time, even if it isn't you know, made by somebody who is in the queer community. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I tried to look it up. I, I really, I couldn't really figure that one out. So I didn't want to make an assumption, but it's still a good representation, I think, for a film. And if you love slashers, you're going to like it anyway. You know what I mean? 
Unless you're one of those idiots that go, oh, they're shoving it down my throat. I mean, clearly it's not going to be for those people. (laughs) 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 But yeah, I don't know. I really liked, I really genuinely liked how they just unabashedly did it. Instead of just like making it a point to like, you know what I mean? Like there's some movies that just like go over. Oh yeah, in your face. It's like like, overboard and it's just so stupid. I want to say like, that Texas Chainsaw Massacre that was on Netflix recently right. that they redid, that was kind of, they didn't do that right. You know, they were trying to, like, include everyone and have it, like, really diverse, and it just came out, oh, out I, like, Oh, yeah, I kind of expect that to be wrong. stupid, though. But this, this is, like, this is how it should be. Like Right. This, Slasher this movies aren't be. necessarily the smartest type of the genre, okay? They can be, they can look smart, you know what I mean? But they're not exactly, mm-hmm. you know, they're pretty straightforward, so... For the most part. At least that's what I get from it. But we do have some information about this movie. Quite a bit, actually, for this one more than the next one. Although I think I have a little bit of for both. So it should be pretty evenly spread out there. Again, if you want to watch this movie, you can rent it for like $2.99 on Amazon or do the Here TV subscription for seven days. Or if you like Here TV, hey. It's on there if you want to check it out. You can even pick up a, a DVD copy of this for 12 bucks. So, But if you don't want anything spoiled, here is your warning. So the uh, director actually said he was asked about, you know, what his uh, kind of thoughts are and his approach to the characters in Hellbent. And he said, I wasn't casting these characters and their issues as representati- representatives of the gay community at large. In the traditional slasher movie, murder is portrayed as punishment, often a premarital sex thing. In Hellbent, I didn't want the audience to equate gay sex with death. So he was very clear to do that. Like, premarital sex is all we gays have, he said. Oh, I see. Okay. Instead, I opted to give each of the characters a specific fatal flaw that my killer exploits. Use a sense of deadening recreational drugs, addiction to attention, flight instinct, you know, overwhelmed by romantic bliss. Oh, my God. I didn't get any of that. I, I totally watched. did. Like, that's did why you? I said, like... I, oh, because you were looking for, like, the flaws. Because yeah, it's a slasher movie. I knew immediately because the shy guy in the beginning, he gets, like, killed right off. He's the one of the first ones that get killed, right? Right. And he's, like, the one that's overly romantic. Right. So, it's like... He really wants to fall in love with that guy and they meet in the bathroom. Right. And it's like such a perfect like storm in that one kill. It's so Sorry. it's so sad because it's like he finally meets the guy. Yeah. And like things are to him, right. Like, yeah. And then he goes to the bathroom. He gets fucking murdered like right away. Right. And brutally, by the way, like which is with, with the Halloween candy bag. Yeah. The treat bag on top of his head. And he didn't just slice his neck and his head came right off. He did it a couple of times, <laughs> which I think is a nice touch. You know what I right. mean? When it comes to fucking slasher films, like don't just hack their head off and whoop. Right. <laughs> like make that shit rip, tear, fucking smack. You got to chop on that shit. You know what I mean? But you know, Either way, I thought it was like, uh, I thought it was really cool how each of them had their own little thing about them. But he said, I don't want to, I certainly don't want to judge their behavior. They're just kids after all. No one's getting punished for their human failings in my mind. So, and that's what Paul Etheridge said about his approach on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was about 2000, the executive producers like Michael Roth from uh, Circuit, Joseph Wolf from Fade to Black and Hell Night, Halloween 2 or 3, and Karen Lee Wolf from Children of the Living Dead 
conceived the idea for a serial killer movie featuring homosexual characters, and they had a concept involving a Halloween mass murderer and the use of West Hollywood, which is a very popular area for a lot of that anyway. Um, California as a location in mind, Paul Etheridge said that an art director who had worked with Roth on two films was working in Trio's productions in the trio's production office after reading a portion of a romantic comedy script etheridge uh Owls had written the producers asked him to write and direct their gay themed horror film it was a micro budget picture with a minimal advertising budget as well and that's probably why we never really heard of it you know mm-hmm. it probably went pretty oh, quick yeah you know there wasn't a lot of support well no it's not even that it's just that the internet wasn't as wide blown open as it is now that too but they did hit all the festivals and stuff right right but i mean i didn't go to any festivals around that time yeah 2000 i planned on going to the fangoria one when i first moved out here (laughs) you know what i mean that was about it but it actually was in california when they were still doing it before they closed down and stopped doing it Mm mm-hmm so anyway, um, Etheridge kept the killer anonymous, as you were saying, too. He wanted to make it as not him as anonymous as possible, and he wanted the audience to project their fears onto the murderer, assigning a motive and a background to, to him themselves, which I think is very telling, and I think the most telling is when he doesn't kill, uh, is it Chaz? Oh, right away. Yeah, well, because Chaz is dressed up in drag, right? and he keeps avoiding him. Every time he sees them, they keep bumping into each other, like, in throughout the whole movie. Right. And he kind of just lets him go all the time until he lets him know who he really is. Yeah, and he said, I'm never going to do drag again, and then he killed him. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you don't know what the motive is, really. It's like, I don't think he's necessarily just killing, I don't know what it is. Which is a good thing. It is interesting, though. Yeah, it so. keeps it interesting. But he said that he wanted to add details that seemed to rob the character of menace he felt and this approach led Etheridge outs to cut the killer's lines from the film because I guess he was a had speaking parts in the film which I think is a good idea that they did cut that yeah he worried that the portion of the audience would not find whichever voice was used to be frightening and I think that's probably the the right way to go about it because yeah a voice is kind of a big deal and it might have ruined it yeah it I think it would have normalized and like kind of made him not as scary just talking i think talking in general would have done that right so but he began working on a visual style for the film which would help disguise its low budget you know the 1959 brazilian french film called black orpheus which i've never seen he said was an initial guide uh, with the work of photographers james bidgood and pierre et giles and the 1953 science fiction film invaders from mars providing later inspiration i guess but uh, which i didn't notice <laughs> i mean i'm not you know oh, i've yeah. seen I've, I've seen the Mar- invaders from mars which i guess they kind of did in the woods a little bit with the light behind him uh-huh you know when they show devil daddy with the light behind him or whatever in the oh. you know I like how he was kind of like always omnipresent around them, which is another thing I, I kind of like is like he's toying with them. Mm-hmm. He's like playing with his lunch kind of thing, you know, like a lion would. Because there's a part where they all moon. Right. <laughs> they, they moon the killer. All at the same time. Yeah. It's so funny. And then he just like jumps out of the bush and then they like run off and then they're fine. Right. I was like, wait, what? That's so <laughs> different. That's so weird. Um, But anyway, 
He also worked closely with the production designer Matthew Flood Ferguson and the cinematographer Mark Mervis to work out how to capture the surreal carnival atmosphere of Halloween. But it took him two years to film, and they started just a few weeks after the plot was pitched to the producers. And uh, so the, the director and writer, of course, who wrote on this film, took a crew to the annual West Hollywood Halloween carnival to shoot B-roll footage that they cut into the film without oh. knowing, you know, the story would actually, what the, what it was going to be. So they just kind of incorporated that and then kind of try to paint it and make it look that way, mm-hmm. which is seamless to me because I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea either. I thought that was, I was like, there's a lot of people in this film. I was like, like they really went to a carnival. Yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> they had the, the, the person on the, the, the uh, long leg sticks, like mm-hmm. the, remember when they were going in the front? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they walked underneath or something. I don't know how they did it, but it was interesting how they did that. Mm -hmm. But the crew returned to the same event the following year. So, you know, with the actors to to basically film the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really cool. Like, that's kind of... That is cool. Yeah. It took two years, though, I mean, but... Mm Meat Locker, the fetish club that's featured in the movie that's like right next door. Mm-hmm. The one that goes downstairs. Oh, yeah, because it says Meat Locker on the. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Funny thing is, it's actually a church. <laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, weird. So when the filming ran late on Saturday night, the crew had to race to remove all the hanging <laughs> rubber corpses before Sunday service. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I wonder how much they knew about them borrowing the production of the movie there. Right. You know, because I think, didn't they kill somebody in the bathroom, like, in the, in that place? Yeah. A couple of them. Yeah. Anyway, the title was selected online because they had, like, a name the movie contest that the producers created to publicize the film. And the director oh. was, was actually kind of horrified at some of the names that they got. <laughs> one of them I thought was actually kind of funny, but one of them is, uh, the titles include 28 Gays Later. <laughs> Sorry, that shouldn't be funny. Boy Meets Knife. (laughs) Queer Eye for the Dead Guy. (laughs) Hellbent was submitted last. And uh, Etheridge chose Hellbent for the title because it was aggressive and simple, as well as a play on words referring both to the double mask killer and Bent being gay, you know, Mm -hmm. which is why they did that. There is another movie called Hellbent, by the way. Oh, is there? Yeah, it's Uh not. It's it's I got it mixed up a little bit it's kind of close to the time frame i just don't remember when mm-hmm. um but yeah i kept bumping into it while is I was it like, like a drama or something i don't remember i didn't look into it that much but um but he also thought the title was also flexible and that it could refer to the killer the victim's recklessness or the fast pacing of the picture so the lady that was in the tattoo shop i don't know if you remember seeing that one the red-haired lady mm-hmm. she actually sang the song in the beginning of the movie oh she was the singer of that. Okay. I vaguely remember her. Right. But I thought that was interesting to mention. The film was actually shot out of order with a week-long breaks in between shooting the periods. Like you said, it was two years. But this accounts for the multiple continuity continuity errors that they have in the film, including the inconsistent hair length and uh, fluctuating oh. weight from several of the characters. <laughs> I noticed that. Yeah, I did get a little confused a couple of times yeah, in the film. I, I remember you saying, like, is yeah, that because, the same guy? Well, because I was looking up the actors to see who was who, and they didn't have pictures in the... The character pictures. Yeah, they didn't have the character pictures, so I was like, trying to figure out who was who and listening to the names, which is like something that's always like a curse when you're doing these podcasts, by the way, guys. And this movie's like 20 years old. Yeah, because like most people don't, they know the names, but it's like 
secondary. But when you're getting into details like we're doing, it's highly important to distinguish between the characters. So we know who we're talking about, what actor's doing a good job or not. You know, it's very important. So <laughs> I even recorded a video to remember the names of the second film, but it turns out I remember the names of the second film better than I do this, this one. one. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, yeah, some movies are worse about that, names. They'll, yeah. like, say it one time and you never hear it again. Right. And then you're like, who the fuck is this person? <laughs> You're like, oh, it's just that girl with the hair or that guy with the the, the mustache. That's, what I, that's how I write down the I character mean, names. Let's be honest. White people all pretty much look the same. Yeah. So. Especially white, <laughs> white men. All the same. It's true sometimes in like really indie budget films because everybody kind of has that look. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, because in the next movie. Yeah, the like next. All three of them look the same. There's a couple that I was getting confused with, but, you know, they're all kind of prim polished. But apparently the director wanted the movie to be more diverse. And this is kind of a weird one that I wasn't sure I was going to bring up or not because it kind of sounds bad in a way, but it's not. Mm-hmm. They wanted to have a, a group of diverse people. So all the guys weren't just white or Hispanic or whatever. Right. They wanted to have some inclusion in there. And they weren't able to find any black men to play the parts because it was gay. Oh, So yeah. a lot of people were like, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So it is, as much as we say, hey, it was accepted back then, it wasn't as accepted as, you know, they probably wouldn't have as much trouble to find somebody these days. Right. When it comes to acting. You right. know what I mean? So, but I don't know. I don't know how big, you know, a budget they had to go and find people, you know. Maybe they didn't really have the time or money to sit down for, like, weeks on end to find the characters. And they just kind of picked who they could. Right. So. And they all did a good job. Right. But that's pretty much it for the for the trivia on that. What did you think of the killer, Christina? What did you think? Did you think he was a good slasher? Yeah, he was, you know, he didn't do much. He just I, killed people. It's kind of good. I personally think he's a better slasher than the next movie. Oh, yeah, 100%. But, you know, there are things in the movie that I really liked about the next movie we'll talk about. But, yeah, I think he's more stoic. I think he fit the outfit and the devil horn thing was really cool. Like, it's very different and unique. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and Devil Daddy will always be. So I will great. never forget that because that's just so great. It was so great. <laughs> it sounds like Devil something. Daddy. It sounds like something John. Oh yeah, totally. Or somebody would say, "Hey, Devil Daddy." Yeah, he would. <laughs> uh, or Andrew, even so. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, shout out to you guys. Love you guys. I really liked. I liked the sickle. I thought that this. Eh, I think we could have just used a knife. I'm like. I like the sickle. They're in West Hollywood. They're not in the country. Yeah, but it's like slasher. The thing about slashers is, is they're kind of formulaic, right? You make a formula that works with it, and it that's the thing about slashers, is that they're not very different. And that's something that some people don't like about slashers, by the way, which, you know, as I've forced myself to watch more and more and more and more slashers over the years, you know, I started to kind of realize why people like it a little bit more you know i've i've moved like i didn't like vampires as much in the beginning yeah and look at you now i know see it's like i you know once you start kind of immersing yourself in all this stuff you start to realize it. and i think that's kind of cool in the movie although i would say i prefer slashers that use multiple different items a little bit more right. just because but i do like that there was a sickle in this one i think they did it in scarecrow there was another movie called Scarecrow. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Or Jacko. I think they did that in... With in, the sickle? Yeah, there was a sickle because, you know, farming. S- 
start photoshopping popsicles in there. <laughs> Not that, no, fuck no. Killing people with popsicles. <laughs> well, Freddy has the hand, you know, Jason has the fucking machete, but he doesn't always have the machete. So, you know, he's killed people with many of things. His hands. Knives, everything. Like, there's just a, a whole slew of things. I don't think he ever carried a gun. Mm-hmm. That would have been weird. <laughs> Not American of him. That's why people got so upset when the new movie for fucking Scream came out and they shot him. I was like, but they've always used guns in the movie. There's been times where they shot people. Yeah. So. There's cops in the movie. Of course, they're going to shoot people. <laughs> right. But there's always been guns in it, whether they liked it or not. They always, you know, come yeah. on. This isn't Batman. Jesus, calm down. <laughs> well, I get what they're saying, though, because a lot of slashers use weapon instruments because it's more terrifying. Right. Putting a shotgun in some fucking slasher's hand is kind of like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I can understand why people get upset, but... Nothing's more terrifying than walking your dog at 4 a.m. and then having that guy who was dressed up as a ghost, like, take off his thing and he had a whip. That was terrifying. <laughs> really? Okay? Yeah, remember? I don't know what you're talking about. It was about. like the day after Christmas. I was walking him in the morning. I walked down to Hardy. He had a whip. He had a whip. Went. Did you walk the other I way? Picked the, I picked up the fucking dog and I fucking <laughs> ran. I'm you're not like, ah, gonna, yep, fuck that yep, shit. Not hanging around for that. I've seen too many fucking <laughs> movies that fall for that kind of crap. <laughs> fucking get your whip and your ass out of my fucking way. I just remember seeing him. Sorry, I was... I just remember seeing him walking with his little ghost outfit. I was like, oh, my God, somebody's drunk because it was when the bar was open down here. Right. But, yeah. That's funny. I got a little confused in this movie, by the way, by the character, the main character um, who, what's his name? Who's the, the brother? He's like a brother that works. The cop. He was dressed up as a cop. He, yeah, Hollywood. like, I don't know how he was working at the police station and he wasn't a police officer. That you had to become a police officer uh- to work. No, no, this is what happened. His sister works there, and then his dad worked there. I guess his dad died. so He was a filing this, guy. Yeah, so when the sergeant pulled him in and was talking to him, because, you know, two homosexuals. Oh, I remember that. Go, yeah, go well, ahead, continue. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Say what you're saying. It's important. Because he pulled him in because he's gay. Yeah, he was like, there's two homosexual murders. So you, you know, know what this is all about. you know about? who those people are? Yeah, I was so yeah. dumb. Why are you choosing me? So then he, he asked, No, he said, he goes... Do you know these guys? Yeah. <laughs> I laughed. I couldn't help it. Dude. I was like, really? <laughs> You're in so West funny. Hollywood, dildo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> My God. Um. Oh, but then he took, he asked if he could wear his father's uniform for Halloween. Oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, sure. That's fine. So that that was the But story he wears a fake badge. He goes to the, like, store. The Dollar gets, Tree or yeah. some shit. And, yeah. well, it was like a, a costume store that looked like garbage. <laughs> like, like a gas Like station. someone just, like, poured out a bag of fucking leftover Halloween shit into, on a shelf. <laughs> but it's funny. Um, but, yeah, I got a little confused with him and, like, what his... I thought he was an officer, but I think... They no, just, he's not. It was, like, kind of interesting because he wears the officer's outfit because he's his role is very much like a police officer that's sleuthing around to fucking solve the mystery or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it kind of fit, like, in a way, but he wasn't an officer, so I was completely confused by that. And I was like, is his sister gay, too? Because... The whole world is gay, right? Like, or is it? Because I don't think I don't think that's what they meant by it. Well, a lot of people online they were, were just, saying that that that's what it was. So I was when I when I read about it, 
I was like, oh, okay. But but yeah, I, I think it was just their world. Yeah, it was their community. Their community, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I don't... Because I don't think the... I don't, who knows? I mean, we don't know. We can't just, like, assume. Well, the cop wouldn't have been saying that if the whole world... Right, was... it is kind of a fucking... <laughs> yeah, they... <laughs> like add... a... But that was nice. They added just straight a Straight li- person talk. Yeah, they, it was nice, though, because they just added little elements of that. They didn't let it consume... Right. The, the movie. movie. That's what I liked about it because yeah. it was like it just did its own thing. Yeah. It didn't care about it trying was... to conform to straight people. It just did the movie like yeah. a, like it would do it. Yeah, like their lives, really. Mm-hmm. Except, you know, insert devil daddy. Right. You, go. you, you, you don't want to do this token bullshit where they, they end up doing that. Like in most movies. Like the 80s used to do a right. lot. Were they, well, I mean, at least that character was there. Well, they did it with women, too, right. in the 80s as well. Oh, yeah. A lot. Well, yeah, because we watch a lot of movies like that. Right. Well, yeah, there's always like the, there was like the 70s and the 80s where they would slap women around a lot when they would get hysterical because women are hysterical. Right. <laughs> so it's like very stereotypical shit like that. Like, you just don't slap a person, you know what I mean? Like, that's some fucked up shit. <laughs> like, you're getting hysterical. I'm just going to slap you? <laughs> I'll on, snap him out of it. You're on your period. Wham! <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't have enough pain in your life. They just get, like, slap him for no reason all the time. Like, she's like, where's the fork? And he slaps her, and she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> anyway. What was your favorite kill? I like the beginning. This, uh, the two guys go in the car and they're like making out and then there's like balloons. Oh, they yeah, have balloons yeah, yeah. from the carnival or whatever. They're at a the make car. out point or something. Yeah, so th- one of the guys goes halfway out the window and he's like, he hears something. He's like, oh my God, did you hear that? And then he goes back out the window and he looks up and the guy, the devil daddy's there and he fucking sickled his head off. Right. That was a clean cut. And then the guy's yeah. like kind of going on him, like kind of getting on him. And then he's like, hey, you really are ticklish. What's going on? And he moves the balloons out of the way and he looks and then he gets his head cut yeah, off. Yeah, he, then he gets his head cut off. Yeah. That was, it was a good start. I think yeah. I think my favorite kill is probably the, um, I can't think of his name, Joey. In the bathroom? I think it's Joey. Is he the one that's like the younger one? Yeah, that's like in crush. love, that has a crush yeah. on that kid with the. That was Joey and you're talking about the bathroom scene. Right. That's the one where. Like he goes on stage for the band or something like that, and then they use glitter chainsaws to like cut him up, which I thought was really kind of funny. Yeah. And then uh, he like feels like he's like kind of a star, you know, because mm-hmm. he's feeling confident. And then he goes up to the the other guy and he he kind of like hits on him, and then the guy kind of makes fun of him because his buddies are around. But then they meet up in the bathroom again. They bump into each other. He's like, "Hey, I'm really sorry about that. What's your name? You know?" Mm-hmm. And then he asks for his number, and he was like. He kind of is honest. He has this honest moment. It's kind of a touching, nice moment. But man, they fucking rip his head off. Like put the fucking Halloween candy bag over his head and then cut his neck a couple of times. Yeah, it was sad. And then he just slumps over in the corner. And I was like, eh, that's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> and then the, the two guys who go into the bath- bathroom next. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, what did he say? Um... Yeah, because he's like, he's like, well, maybe we can meet up for breakfast. And he's like, yeah, that'd be great. And then he gets killed. And uh, the two dudes walk in and say that that's not funny at all. And his body like Starts squirts and yeah. twitches. <laughs> I don't know how they did that, but it looked really good. It did look good. That twitching looked good. Yeah, they must have like colored over it because there was a scene in the movie where like you could see when they did a zoom up shot that they mm-hmm. composited someone laying down. 
Because oh. you could tell it was like lighter around a certain area mm-hmm. where they're like laying on the ground in the middle of the crowd of this show or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they, I don't know how they did it, but like it must have been on a crane or something that they did a shot or I don't, you know what I'm, Maybe do you know what I'm talking about? A drone. Yeah, right. They didn't have it then. <laughs> 2004. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, let's talk about like, um, I thought that they could have probably leaned on the boyfriend of uh, the main guy. What's the main guy's name? The cop, fake cop guy? Yeah, fake cop guy. Oh, the guy. Eddie. The, the, Eddie. You're talking about the guy he had a crush on? No, I'm talking about Eddie. I think he, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about the guy he had a crush on, but Eddie had the crush on this other guy, Jake, who they meet at the bar, and he's kind of playing hard to get with him the whole fucking movie. And then in particular, at the at the very, when they get to the, the moment where we're about ready to kind of make out, he goes to his house, and Eddie's, like, trying to kiss him. He's, like, pulling away constantly. And it's like, I think they were trying to make it seem like Jake was the killer, I guess. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I, I do think they could have done a better job at that a little bit more, like, but... But he ended up I not knew. Being the killer. Well, of course, because Jake was always around with Eddie, mm-hmm. so there was no reason he would have just walked away for a moment. I feel like they could have done that because he was playing hard to get so much. I felt like they could have made him go away for bits of time mm-hmm. throughout the movie, but then he's also attacked later on outside of the meat shack or the whatever the place was called. Meat locker. Meat locker. Yeah, they remember when he goes over to get his fucking thing or whatever. He mm-hmm. like left his keys or something, mm-hmm. and then he jumps the fence, and then he gets attacked, and then that's when you know Jake. And then they go back to their house, and that's when they start trying to hook up, and then the killer shows up at his house. Like, how the fuck is he been following him? Although all of their friends, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely got some loopholes in it. You know, some plot holes and stuff in it. Um, there is one scene that I did like that was really cool with the sickle. He sticks it through the fence and then it taps the tip of his eye. Oh, yeah. And then he twists it around. It's like the cover. Yeah. Dude, I was like, oh, that bothered me so much seeing that. But then realizing that he had a fake eye, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was kind of fucked up. <laughs> and, okay. then, and then they took it out and I don't think it was a fake eye at all. It was just like. CGI or whatever. Yeah. It's <laughs> it pretty funny though. Yeah, obviously Jake doesn't care because they go back together or whatever. Jake's like getting condoms or whatever. And the sickle guy comes in the hallway and starts lifting him up and dropping on him and stuff. And I think, I think Jake saves Eddie's life, right? Yeah. Right there. Cause he, he heard him or cause he goes to out. kill Eddie, but Jake hits devil devil daddy in the head with like a bat or something. I don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. He gets free and then they, call for help but the phone's off the hook in the bedroom of course so he's like talking to the killer or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like a throwback to another slasher by the way mm-hmm. or like the killers in the house bullshit i can't remember what it is maybe it's like black christmas oh. they do they do a similar thing in the movie Oh, i don't remember black christmas yeah where the, the killer has a phone line upstairs in the attic mm-hmm. and they have they keep calling the house by dialing their own number or like having it ring oh. the killer's in the house there you go. So, um, what were you going to say? Was this around the part where they did call 911 and 911 hung up on them? I don't remember exactly how it went down. I just remember they were on this fire escape fighting. <laughs> There's like a whole scene where they're oh, fighting yeah. on the fire escape. Yeah. And like, because uh, Eddie falls and his like wrist gets caught like on the handcuffs that Jake put him on Mm -hmm. and then when he falls off the fire escape he like catches on one of the fucking levels Mm -hmm. and he's just dangling there or whatever 
Do you remember oh, that? Yeah, I remember that. He dropped the gun, I guess, down. Oh, the, that's right. And then he was able to reach it because he's hanging or dangling. Yeah. And the, the funny thing is, it's because they went shooting earlier and they and he missed every shot. <laughs> so, like, Jake is, like, in front of the killer and the killer's got the sickle around his neck and he's like, shoot him don't or don't shoot i don't remember i was like oh, no, like, no don't shoot yeah he like ends up shooting jake in the chest and like practically almost killing him uh-huh. and then shoots the killer in the head which that was uh, funny it's like come on there's no way he would have hit oh him. no way especially with how many times he missed the shots around the fucking thing at the shooting range uh-huh. i was like what the fuck afterwards eddie is like who is the killer and then they like drag him out and they were like i don't know we haven't taken the mask off He's and they're like he's still alive and they're like yeah, relax buddy this guy is as dangerous as a carrot at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but he opens his mouth and you see Eddie's fake eye. Yeah, in there. In his mouth or whatever, and then the credits roll. It's funny. And it's like he's back. No, no. Part se- two. No sequel though. No sequel. Hellbender. Hellbender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Part two. <laughs> um. But yeah. I don't know. The ending was okay. That's where it kind of flailed a little bit for yeah, me. Yeah, right there. I kind of started losing it. It got a little interest. too typical like yeah. in that situation. But I still like some of the kills in the movie. Overall, I think it's about six and a half for me. So, yeah. We do have another movie to talk about in the slasher realm of queer friendly movies. And uh, this one is called Pitchfork from 2016. It's on Tubi, by the way. You can... Watch it there. It's from uh, on Uncorked Entertainment, which, you know, I've seen a few that are not so great on a lot, Uncorked. A lot. <laughs> but this one, bear with us, okay? <laughs> There's good and bad about this one. We'll get into it. But Pitchfork is about after sharing a secret himself, Hunter brings a group of his friends from New York City back to his family farm for a weekend break to fully come out to his angry, angsty father. They quickly learn that the secrets can be deadly as they are stalked by a twisted and disturbed beast. Pitchfork. It's better. Yeah. Tagline. Every generation has its monster. It's terrible. <laughs> Negative two. So this is by writer-director Glenn Douglas Packard, who has come out and he is a gay man. This is his first feature film, by the way. He has a lot of history about him. Uh, that I found very interesting um, that he comes from. You can see a lot of the story was written around sort of his life a little bit. It uh, definitely reflects. Some oh, of, on a farm? Yeah, he was grow- He grew uh, up on a farm. Oh, okay. we'll, we'll get into that in the extras and stuff. But he's mostly been a choreographer. He's a, known for a dance instructor and dancing in general. Mm-hmm. Like he moved away. His dad was not happy. He's a dairy farmer. Wow. And Ooh. he grew to be a dancer. And it really changed his mind, opened his mind to a lot of things. Like, he'd never met another person that was gay. Mm -hmm. You know, like, he went to New York, and he got to meet transgender people, and he got to meet gay people for the first time. And he was just, like, blown away by the community and stuff. So he wanted to make a movie later on. Uh, But he has done a lot of choreography for a lot of different other stuff. Um, But, yeah, that's his only film that he's actually ever done. Now, we do have writer-producer Daryl F. Gargalio, who mostly is a producer, including this movie. He also did the movie The Ranger, the one about the punk kids who get, uh, like, they go camping or something like that and then, like, get harassed by this fucking, like, forest ranger. 
It, oh, I don't know. What I don't think you get to see it. I did. It's got uh-huh. like an '80s theme to it. Oh, but it's more it's current. A, yeah, it's a, like an, it's a, a really new indie film that came out oh. like a couple years ago or whatever. Oh, okay. Kind of bloody, kind of mm-hmm. wild. But he, they also uh, produced that one. But this is his first writing credit. He's actually only working on The Millionaire, which is his next uh, production, and it's in pre-production right now. Oh. So this is like a lot of the people that worked on this film are brand new. Mm-hmm. You know, whether this was their first or last film, they didn't do a whole lot, but I'm going to go through each of the stars in here just to give them credit. We have stars Daniel Wilkinson, who plays Pitchfork. He was on Basic TV, Play a Horrible Tale, of Female Revenge TV series, and Alienated, a movie in 2021. We also have Brian Michael Rates, who is Hunter in the movie, the lead character who's coming out to his father. He was in Deer Camp 86, and that's pretty much it. Couple of bunch of shorts, a lot of shorts for these people. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Lindsay Dressback, Dressback, Dressbach. She plays Claire, the blonde head girl. She was in Tuna TV. Pitchfork was actually her first role, and she did the Red List TV show as well, uh-huh. uh, plus many shorts. A lot, like I said, all these people did pretty much a lot of shorts. Uh, Ryan Moore is in this movie. He is Matt, the kind of angsty boyfriend who cheats. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeepers Creepers 3 he was in. Ah, figures. Baskets <laughs> TV show, the one that you didn't like that I did. Ugh. He's like, plays a character on their name, Heath or something. He was in Days of Our Lives TV show, which totally shows Jeez. you can oh, see yeah, it. Oh, yeah, you totally can see it. Uh, he was also in Hollywood Heights TV as well. We also got Selena Beach, who plays Lennox, the British girl. She was this, this was like her... Last acting role, she did uh, Magic City TV show and Rock of Ages. We also have Nicole Dambro, who plays Flo. She was the girl with the completely terrible taste in dressing, who was wearing pink socks with, like, a leopard print suit and uh, white Daisy Dukes, or not white Daisy Dukes, but just, like, regular... Cut-off shorts. Cut-off shorts, yeah. She's been acting since 2012. She did The Axiom, The Crazy X TV show, A Walk with Grace, and another movie called Groupers. We have Keith Webb, who plays Rocky, the kind of big lug guy who's with the Janelle chick. He's done some random TV appearances like Dead House, Murder Among Friends, and Book of Love. Sheila Leeson, who plays Janelle, she was in Love and Reality, Paper Empire TV, and she played a cheerleader in Omi, Felix Yon's remix video, whatever that is. I didn't get a chance to check it out. We got Vibhu Raghave who plays Gordon, who was in a movie called Rhythm, and Nisha Auseke Uske Cousins TV. Also have Rachel Carter, who plays Ma. She is got her start on Jack O, actually, from 1995, the Pumpkin movie. Oh. It's like a straight-to-video movie. Mm-hmm. The pumpkin guy on the front. It's called Jack O. Real, it's kind of a crazy slasher. It sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah, she did that, but she also did it as an, an audition assistant in the Blair Witch Project. Oh. So she got to audition all the people that did the movie. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's interesting. And she actually did Jack O before that. So mm-hmm. she must be from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. She also did um, Pit. Oh, Pitchfork was actually her last film, too. And then last but not least, we got the old man who plays Mr. Hollister, Andrew Dahl Collins. He was in a movie called Son of the Wolf, Beneath Us All, Werewolf Island, and more. I don't know how much the money money this one made, but it says it premiered on September 23rd, 2016, on the Hot Springs Horror Film Festival, where it won Best First Time Filmmaker for Horror 
And by September 20th, 2016, it was announced in Deadline Hollywood that Uncorked Entertainment had acquired the film and it would have a limited theatrical release on January 6th, 2017 and would be released on VOD January 13th of the same year. Other than that, Christina, what did you think of this film? Oh, God, I'm going to (laughs) die. So, oh, where do I, should I even start here? Um, I didn't really like the premise of this one. Unlike the other one, this one had a group of straight friends and there's only one gay friend in the bunch. Like, very stereotypical, like we've said before. Right, but they're all being supportive of it, so it is definitely... Would you bring eight friends with you? Yeah, it's a little weird. to, To open up? And come out of the closet. I mean, everybody's different in how they come out, but like he said, like, and this is not spoiling anything. It's like right Right. in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, it's in the beginning. He comes out on the phone and then they go out to visit the dad who doesn't doesn't, agree with it. And also the dad doesn't look like a dad. He looks like the same age as them. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of funny. They did like, they put gray hair. Like they use that spray ship like they use in Halloween. They like sprayed it in his hair. So, uh, so he... express the tone of the movie. Yeah. So the, the acting was bad. <laughs> that was That's the tone. The dialogue was not great and it was very cringy. Yeah. Back and forth. It was very tropey. Mm-hmm. There were too many side stories. Oh my God. All these characters. You hope they all die. Because, I mean, that's the goal, right? Yeah, you want to make characters that die, right? I know, but they, but they have to, like, get into all their goddamn little fucking traumas going on. You know, all their drama going on at the time, you know, <laughs> before they kill him. Like, we don't need to do that, okay? We don't need to do that. I didn't appreciate the country music. I do not like country music. I don't know why they had it to was have more a like, dance. It's not, it was country, but it was, like, country in the way that, it like... It was the poppy country. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's definitely pop but music. I could tell it was country, so oh, I didn't like it. The sound design was great, though. Oh, yeah. It had a really good, like... Score? Yeah, score for it. Yeah. It was the only thing that really, <laughs> like, stuck out about uh, it. They had some good shots in it. They, in the, so, in the beginning, they didn't really show the kills, mm-hmm. like, when they happened, but they did get kind of gory. Yeah. Like, as it went on, the the kills got more gory, which I thought was interesting. Um. Oh, the imagery of the actual killer pitchfork, I liked. Yeah. You know, him like coming through the woods and them shining the light behind him. And he had a fucking uh, pitchfork, obviously, as a hand, though. Yeah. It was that's the cool hand. thing. That's was a, one of the best things. But his character as a whole was a little weird. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. And he wore like a bear mask. Like he looked like he was a skinny Five a, Nights at Freddy guy. You yeah. Know? It looked like, no, oh. you look like he looked like Cub. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Cub, no, where he wears movie, this Cub. like half wooden mask. Only his was half like. Like a furry. dog or bear mask or yeah, something. And he literally looked like Five Nights at Freddy guy. <laughs> okay. The skinny version. Anyway, this was an hour and 35 minutes and it felt like three hours. It did go feeling long. Oh, it was, yeah. The end Longer was, than Hellbent was. Hellbent, which we were even giving shit, giving shit to it for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The ending was kind of painful to watch, but there was one good part that involved pee. And that's about it. So oh I, my God. I'll give it a three out of ten. For three the, out of ten for wow. the P part. The 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 P part gets the three. Okay. P P three. I'm. Uh, this one's a tough one for me to rate because it is totally all over the fucking place. But I enjoyed it watching it. As, as like an S big movie. Yeah, it's definitely an S big movie. Like it is a hundred percent an S big film. 
and I don't know if it was intentional or not because the tone of it is like sometimes kind of making fun of itself and then other times it's not. It's like being totally serious. So it almost like has an identity problem when it comes to tonality a little bit because there's moments in the film that were written to be funny, Mm -hmm. like the whole Amish bit that's in the movie with the girl and how she's got a kink for Amish people. Oh, stupid. Which, you know, yeah, some of these don't land, (laughs) but I I definitely think that the father was over angsty, which I was cracking up. The beginning of this film made me fucking laugh so fucking hard. The dialogue was oh my, I was like cringy. It is cringy, but it's so funny. It's like so bad that you're going to laugh. Mm -hmm. And I seriously really kind of enjoyed this film. Are there moments in the film that I didn't enjoy? Uh, Plenty. But overall, I mean, I feel like I should score this on an S big scale. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a weird as fuck wonder. It's just an S big movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, and it's because of the terrible dialogue and the terrible acting and it all kind of works like you get used to the acting. Uh, I, you know, like it's definitely not good acting. Mm-hmm. but you get used to it and you kind of get into its world and stuff. Uh, there are some weird moments that they throw in there that are kind of like the tongue in cheek kind of making fun of itself moments right. that felt so completely out of place because the movie doesn't do it in all of the movie. So it's just like these random moments that just happen and you're just like, it just feels so obligatory. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the kills were okay. You know, they're okay. Uh, nothing great, you know. This is like very homemade kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times, uh, the killer was a mix between, "Hey, it's it's Bobby hanging out with us," to kind of scary in one moment. Like when you get introduced to him, one of the characters meets him. There's this scene where she doesn't see him that well, and she kind of compliments him on his outfit, and she's like, "Holy fuck, man, that's a fucking." killer outfit you know cosplay like Like, i don't think that's appropriate cosplay yeah this isn't a halloween party but god damn is that a nice outfit like (laughs) and it's like which is just kind of funny you know it's just uh, haha funny it's not like Mm -hmm. laugh out loud kind of funny but man i i really did laugh out loud quite a few times watching this film i was kind of like a little disappointed in one of the characters being killed off very quickly i won't say who it is obviously (laughs) Because he was providing some of the best fucking dialogue in the movie. Mm-hmm. And he was just, I, it, I'll have to tell you in the fucking thing. It's just, it cracked me up. The movie does kind of meander and wa- wander around from character to character quite a bit. It didn't flow very well. There was a lot of jaggedness to some of the story. But overall, I mean, it, it has some consistency to it. It's just not exactly the best film I've ever seen, but I have seen far worse films that are far more boring than this. Mm -hmm. Even if it didn't intend to be as bad as it was, (laughs) it still made me enjoy it in some regards. I don't think this is high on a slasher list, but it definitely is kind of within that sand, the sand vibe. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Like if you saw the sand, you could probably like this movie. If you like the sand, you will probably like this movie. Mm-hmm. I would actually buy this movie, mm-hmm. but but just buy a little bit. And and it's on the S big scale. So it's not the funniest S big movie. It's like a 5.5, maybe a six on the S big scale. Mm-hmm. But otherwise it would be like a three or a four if you were really trying to go for the serious. But I don't really feel like this movie is trying to be that serious. And I think it's aware of itself in some regards. 
even if it's trying to do too many fucking vibes or sort of tones at one time, which is going to make people not like it. But if you've seen a lot of shitty films and you've seen a lot of shitty uh, slasher films to last a lifetime in the 2000s, by the way, (laughs) you can get a pass. This is definitely on the top of the pile more than it is the bottom. Mm -hmm. So I would highly recommend at least checking it out and seeing it for yourself. It's on Tubi. If you're, it's kind of a pizza and beer movie. It's just totally. not, it's just not going to blow you away with some of the other ass big films. Like, I don't know. Would you say the sand is better than this? Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I, I would say by the a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it is kind of still in that same vein. So that's I don't know. good. That's good comparison. Yeah. So a 5.5 on the, on the ass big scale, definitely worth, I think watching it, it definitely made me crack up man. like there's really funny parts of the movie that are just like, what? Mm-hmm. So you give it a what? I give it a three. So I give it a 5.5. So it gets a 4.25 from the two of us. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but mine's the S big. Hers isn't. Hers is no, the regular scale. I'm regular. Um, which everybody's like, what the fuck is the difference? It's like, well, listen to the podcast and you'll know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, we do have some uh, extras that we're going to talk about, some trivia, some spoilers and things that we're going to talk about. If you want to check it out on Tubi first and then come back, I think you'll be fine either way to watch this kind of movie. I don't think it's going to bother spoiling it, really. Yeah. It's not that surprising of a film. It's a slasher, for exactly. Christ's sake. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if you don't want anything spoiled, here's your warning. So this was shot on one camera on a very low budget in order from start to finish. They shot it how the movie went. Oh, wow. So they didn't, you know, jump around and have this uh, crazy organization or anything like that. So they just, they probably didn't get paid a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, fortunately, everybody stuck around and wanted to be a part of this film Mm -hmm. and they were able to get it done. So uh, Glenn, the director, was actually born in Michigan. As I mentioned, he is a gay director and he has done a lot of dance stuff that I mentioned. A lot of the filming that took place with this director is from where he grew up as a child on Packard Farms in Clare, Michigan, mm-hmm. which, you know, I was trying to place where this was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there are some pretty rural areas out in Michigan that you can go to. It's not like just Detroit, you know, obviously. Oh, well, yeah. You know, the the director and, and writer, he actually suffered a horrible four-wheel accident on the farm with a compound fracture to his right tibia and his fibula leg. Oh, shit. He almost lost his leg, as a matter of fact. And he's a dancer? Yeah, his doctors insisted that the only option was to amputate his leg from the knee down. And after months of fighting the infection, which had spread throughout his entire body, due to the open wound, Glenn had to relearn how to walk. Oh, my God. So not only did he have to relearn how to walk, he then taught himself how to dance. That's how inspiring he was. Wow. Which I think is really cool. That is cool. Um, He made a a promise to himself that if and when he fully recovered, he would do the one thing he had dreamed of his whole life, and that was to dance and direct. Oh, cool. He even went to Michigan State University and did a minor in dance. Uh, I forget what he did the ma- the major in, but minor was dance. So mm-hmm. he was on all the seasons of the VH1's hit show, Brooke, Brooke Knows Best, along with creating and working with the E Network to star, choreograph, and produce the TV event Men on the Strip in 2015. Oh. 
and this film obviously was of course inspired by a lot of different things amalgamation of his childhood and you know his father like oh college because he has his college friends he said his dad was very supportive of him but he was not supportive of him going off he wanted him to be a dairy farmer oh which you know that's a i mean that when you come from a farm of course you never leave Right. <laughs> you you have kids to continue you, the farm. Yeah, you are bred to be to, a farmer. Which is fucked up. Right, which is the character in the movie the girl is and then the kid moved away mm-hmm. kind of like he did. So mm-hmm. I'm sure although I didn't see any interviews or anything. I, I I checked out a couple of interviews with him and it seems like that's a lot of his childhood. Mm-hmm. So this is like that story. Uh in a way. I don't know how much of it is true, but he did say that the reason and he came up with the slasher for this film, which he had been working on this idea for like eight years. Mm-hmm. Oprah Winfrey had an old episode that was airing, re-aired, mm-hmm. about a boy called It. And it was a book that was written about this boy who lived his life as a dog. Like, literally as a dog. And he went on to do, like, actual, like, he came out of being a dog and being human and went on to, like, make a business and stuff like that (laughs) and, like, did really big things in his life. And he thought it was really interesting that this was, like, a real thing. And he was like, well, what would happen if it it didn't turn out too good? (laughs) Oh, and that's that's, where you get... That's where you get Pitchfork as the killer, who is a guy who grew up as a dog... And didn't, like, become human and get a job and all this other stuff. <laughs> so That's funny. I think it's fucking interesting. But Oprah, Oprah Winfrey of all fucking things, too. He said that Pitchfork idea was because he grew up on a farm, obviously. And he was like, why hasn't anyone ever done a Pitchfork? Like, we've seen kills with a Pitchfork. Right. I think it was in, like, Jason's or the... Uh, Friday the 13th part two, they use a pitchfork in that one. Right, but an actual killer, that's right. their weapon the whole time. He's, he said it was a mix between, like, he wanted to make pitchfork kind of like Wolverine and, like, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> <laughs> Using an instrument that nobody used It didn't work. No, I... <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. Oh, that's not fair. I, I actually think it's cool. He's right, though. There really isn't that many movies like it, but... They, uh, I was listening to the Headshot podcast and they were talking to him about it. Shout out. If you want to listen to it, I'll put the link down below. Uh, over the years, he wrote uh, eight, for eight years, he wrote down different ideas for different kills and shit like that that he was going to put in the movie. And he'd gotten that idea from Jackie Chan, who said that he would do that on his movies to come up with different ideas to like fight, stuff like that. Oh. For his choreography for that. Mm-hmm. So. Um, one of the funny stories behind the scenes is, is that obviously they're in Amish country in Michigan. And so they literally would be like around the farm area, like watching off in the distance while they made the movie because they found it so fascinating. And a lot of the actors, they're not used to that kind of shit. So they're like, they were really spooked out by the fucking Amish people (laughs) in the movie, (laughs) which, you know. They all stayed in his house, the stone house or whatever, which is, was his house. Mm-hmm. And they all became really good friends, like, over the course of them making this movie. Except, you know, the guy who played Pitchfork, Daniel Wilkinson, because he wanted to, during production, Glenn Douglas Packard forbid cast members from meeting him uh, or interacting right. with him. 
until their death scenes were shot. The only one exception was, of course, the main character, Hunter, who they met together to kind of discuss their characters' backstories so they could kind of play off it better mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Im- imply the history prior to filming. So, but yeah, that's pretty much it for all the trivia. Oh, okay. I thought it was interesting, though, like how it came about. And I think it's a far better film than I think people give it credit. You know, the three mark makes sense, but I think it's a fun film. Right. I think people should give it a little bit more of a shot than they have. Is it going to be your favorite thing? No. Is it going to make you laugh? Yes, it's going to make you laugh. Yeah, it did make me laugh. There was some long extended scenes in the film that really made this one drag. It really dragged. Yeah, like the whole like (laughs) scene with the pitchfork and the the Lennox girl, the British girl who cheated on. Right. The whore. boyfriend or the whatever. Whore. Dude, funniest, one of the funnier moments in the movie is Claire punching her. Yeah. That shit fucking cracked me up. Right. In the because nose, she was too. like, yeah, fuck you, bitch. Bam. <laughs> it was like a, you could feel that punch. It felt like a real, like action wise and camera wise. He did a really good job. He just, really did. This was his first movie? Yeah, this is his first oh, movie. This is good. And, and, and like, he, I guarantee you he choreographed that whole fucking dance thing oh, yeah, probably totally. too. Oh, the barn dance? Yeah, the oh, barn dance. Oh my God, the barn dance. Okay, so for, let's just start from the beginning and talk about some of the things that made us laugh in the very beginning, okay? Okay. So we got a girl walking her dog in the country and walking the dog's name is country as well in the country (laughs) and he's like walking her walking the dog and it rushes off into a building and she goes in looking for him somehow she gets hooks in her face which make no sense at all and then you know you hear her scream yeah she's dead and she's dead by the 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 fucking pitchfork of course so Hunter is in a car with his friends and they're going as a group to come out to his father officially and uh like i guess rub it in his face because he's not on board or force it down his throat <laughs> yeah he's trying kidding. to force it trying to target them you know <laughs> like the the store not target well they had they had pride flags all over their van right like they really fucking lit that thing up really too did. which is kind of funny too because it's like fuck you dad and, and I mean, I, I admire that in a way because <laughs> fuck you, dad. <laughs> and dude, his dad is beyond overdoing it. Like, you know, like, and maybe it has something to do with like the director, <laughs> his father and how he was. Yeah. But at first, the first thing that I thought of when they all pull up in a huge van, it's covered in target nightmares for conservatives. Like <laughs> his mom and dad are on the porch and his dad is being like big mad extra angsty for no fucking reason and it's some of the funniest shit ever like one couple says let's go cow tip and he's like there's no no such thing little lady cows don't sleep standing up that's horses and she's like well let's go horse tipping (laughs) (laughs) and then the blonde girl claire goes to thank him you know because they can tell she can tell there's a little bit of frustration and she's trying to win him over because she's the blonde it seems very slasher nice, tropic. The nice blonde. Right? And uh, a little slice of Americana, you know, because that's what dad likes. And um, he hits on her on the front porch, it right in front life. of her mom. Yeah. He's like, well, you know, you're a lot prettier than Hunter told me. She's like, thanks. I heard you were a charmer. And it's like, ew. That was gross. And the mom's like, ha, ha, ha. Just I I wouldn't know how to act in that moment because I would like be like that's fucked up like yeah. what what are you doing? Um, but they all go in except mom and dad and dad is like I can't believe my son's a fairy 
And I'm like, oh Jesus Christ. Let's rub it. This is the rubbing it and you're like rubbing it in. You right. Know? It's so like, I mean, I can see it happening, but just the delivery of the acting in this movie from him and how he looked like when he put a hat on, then I was like, okay, I'm on board. And he looks like how I'd expect, mm-hmm. but without the hat, he just looked like one of their friends. Like they were hanging out right? because he's like a younger looking dad. And the mom looked Look like, like mom. Yeah, she looked like grandma. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about grandma, but she looked more like a mom than he looked like a dad. Yeah. They didn't look like a good couple. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it wasn't believable. Oh, and then <laughs> after that, they're like, did someone say a barn dance? And the girls all come out in uniform and like put their hand on their hip at the same time. And then she stomps and immediately instant dance party barn dance party in the fucking in the room and it's like a it's like a this long choreographed montage piece yeah of like a barn dance and even some of the main cast dance in it actually hunter does and i think the lennox chick did i can't even remember but they, they were all dancing like and it's like it feels really weird and out of place a little bit you know like but it's kind of like how this movie's supposed to not be taken so seriously. And then the dad, like, what is he tucking in her? Yes, yeah, she wants a. There's monsters in my closet. There's monsters underneath my. Yeah, the bed. typical. Yeah. So let's let's do a a a, a fake a fake a fake out. Ju- uh, yeah, fake out. So they did that. Well, it's the weird thing is is he walks into a dark closet without turning on the light, which I thought was really strange. Like mm-hmm. the first thing you do when you open a closet is turn on the fucking light. I don't go in there and fucking just walk into the darkness. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. the demon closet that we have. Like, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) And she's got this big closet and then he screams or something. And she's like, dad, dad. And he's like, ah, I got you. And then she wants her underneath the bed checked. Right. And of course, that's where Pitchfork is, is underneath the bed. But they don't show the kill. No. No, and then they... They should have showed him being stabbed in the face. It was cool when he shoved his pitchfork up through the bed. And yeah, then, that was a cool shot. Yeah, and then you think he murders Jenny, but he didn't. He didn't yeah. murder the sister. I was like, oh, they killed the girl. They killed the little girl, too. It's That's like, oh, thank God. pretty cool, but later on you find out she's in a cage. Yeah, of course not. <laughs> yeah, we can't kill children over here, okay? <laughs> and then, you know, he goes in the basement and kills the mom. That was a weird... Like he gets around pretty quick, and I don't know how. Yeah, how he went from the the, to the cage. He went from upstairs into the basement somehow, or no? She thinks she hears something in the basement, and she goes down into the basement with a flashlight because you can't turn on the lights. And then when she comes to look, when she hears something down there, she goes booking it because she gets spooked and runs to the stairs, and he's at the top. Mm -hmm. So he hadn't technically been down there. But they made it seem like he was down there. So I guess. Yeah, she heard something. Right. It just so happened to be something down there, I guess. I I don't know why they did that. But yeah, the mom screams and she's dead by the washing machine. Mm -hmm. You don't know what happens. They cut. But outside, you got Matt, Claire's boyfriend at the dance. He's like blowing off Claire and hooking up with Lennox being a real dick to her and shit too like you're just my my fuck toy kind of attitude then rocky and janelle are in the van talking about how she's pregnant and you know oh yeah oh yeah let's rub that shit in right because they stab her in the stomach later don't they yeah (laughs) he's like want to make sure we don't miss or something like that didn't he say that or something like that he's like if there's baby in there it's dead or something i don't know what (laughs) 
remember. Well, somebody said something. I don't remember what it was. Remember? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It was the dad. Was it the dad? I think it was the dad. No. Well, he didn't talk. You're the- talking about the old man, the dad of the pitchfork? Yeah. Okay, well, there's two dads in the film, so you got to be a little bit more... Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that's what we were talking about, because no. you said he, you know, pointed at her stomach. I don't know why the other dad... I don't know it. who said it, but I just remember somebody pointing to her stomach saying something about the baby when they killed her or whatever. There was the scene, obviously, with fucking um, Flo. She's, like, fucking the fucking Amish dude in the horse and buggy. <laughs> Oh, this is when he, then she sees the pitchfork guy? Yeah, that's when that whole scene we were talking about before about how she thought he had a killer outfit or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that right before that is where Claire punches Lennox out, which I thought was really funny. It's so sudden and loud, too. It just, like, cracked me up. I don't know why, but, like, Claire's like, oh, did you fall on your back? Stop fucking my man. Or something uh. like, some of the worst dialogue. There's, like, a scene where, I guess, Rocky and Janelle bump into um, pitchfork. He, like, stands up with the furry mask on, and you can see him clearly. He honestly, I really feel like he looked like Cub. Like, if you look at the cover of Cub, type the, type in Cub, the movie, and you'll see what I'm talking about while I'm telling this, and you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. But, like, you can see his arm really clearly here, and they show it, like, wrapped in barbed wire. So, like, the stump is, like, the, the pitchfork. And this is where you really see it up close. So it's like he's somehow fashioned this to wrap his arm around the pitchfork. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting. Yeah. The kid wears that mask in the movie. That mask looks like a tree. That's what I said before. Oh. But it's like the shape of it that just looks like oh, it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. But anyway, they both bolt and split up and Rocky ends up accidentally stabbing his girlfriend in the throat. And she's- Oh, yeah, that was weird. Yeah, that's always you got to throw one of those in there every now yeah. and then because of the because of everything so has such a jumble fuck. And then you know? of course he died because he started screaming. Well, he he gets killed by stabbed in the back of the head when he's freaking out. Right. He's like, oh my god, and then he stabs him, and you see the blood come down his face. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty. I don't know. That was funny. I think the kills in Hellbent were a little bit better, a little more graphic, yeah, but there's some yeah. funny ones in this. Yeah. This is where everybody realizes that the mom and dad are gone and they don't know where their little sister is. <laughs> and there was this one line when Claire and Lennox are arguing because they kind of carry it through the film to kind of make it like a, we got to look out for each other because we're still friends kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, even though you fucked my boyfriend, blah, 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 we're going to have angst towards each other, but we're going to help each other out. But there was this part where they realize that everybody's dying. And it's like the moment they find this out and Claire starts yelling at Lennox and Lennox is like, oh, it's like you're just going to throw out our friendship all of a sudden because I fucked your man. He's a fucking player. And I'm like, ladies, this is really not not the the moment. Yeah, (laughs) this is not the moment that you would do that, I don't think. So really inauthentic, but made me laugh nonetheless, because it's like it's like kind of mimicking other movies in that sense. But it just did it like the worst (laughs) fucking possible time. And that's when you see um, blood splatter both their faces and Gordon, who's like running to them, gets an axe to the back mm-hmm. and, and he like pulls it out of the back of him real quick, which is kind of cool. Some, yeah. Like you don't really see it going and you don't really see in in camera gore really that much. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of intended. That's the bad thing. The cops show up. Their point seems very ridiculous. They have this stupid back and forth. With each other. Yeah, they were had donuts and shit, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's very 
very yeah. stereotyped kind of stuff here. But they didn't last long. Yeah, I don't even remember how they died. I think they just obligatory died on the ground and they never showed it. Yeah. Pitchfork has a shack that he lives out in. And this is where he takes, like, the little sister. And you find out the dad's there. And he's alive. Yeah. Hunter goes there somehow. I forget how. He gets dragged in somehow by Pitchfork. Mm -hmm. And there's this really odd scene where he... I don't know. I don't know why he's in there. He wakes up and he sees his sister in the cage. She's got like a mattress, like like a the box spring, box spring without the the fabric around it, like so she can't get out. <laughs> and it's really weird. Like he can't get her out. And then he goes and he tries to see his dad, and he's like looking at his leg, where he's like, if you've ever seen the movie House, uh huh, or no, not House, Waxwork, mm-hmm. where they have this scene where the dad is getting his leg. He's been, they used his flesh to eat because the girl comes in and like he's eating the flesh off this guy's leg mm-hmm. and like it's really fucked up like the whole fucking leg is fucked up and it looked kind of like that like like he'd been eating him and then he's like crying on his dad's chest and he's like oh god dad you know and then his dad grabs his arm and his last like leg of life <laughs> um, leg of life I'm like I'm like is he still angry is he <laughs> and he, he like his dad's like finish me off son he's like i'm oh, not gonna last and he's like dad God. i can't i won't because his dad says be a man and then he stabs him because he's Stupid. like i am a man motherfucker you know what i mean like <laughs> i don't know it, it's kind of it's like his dad should have lived so much longer because i thought he would have been the killer like i thought like that's right. one thing in this movie that they do that they kill the dad off so and the mom so quick. Yeah, I was not expecting that. Right, because I, I really wanted the dad to survive because he has some of the juiciest, <laughs> most terrible fucking Dialogue. lines and his acting and everything. <laughs> Dude, it would have made the movie so much better. He, he needs his own movie. Yeah, he need. Yeah, exactly. Angry. I'm a. My <laughs> angry, son's a fairy. Angry bigot dad. Yeah, angry bigot dad. There you go. <laughs> bigoted dad oh my god dude his lines are like like gold (laughs) so matt cheated on claire with lennox and they're three all three together and he keeps calling lennox baby and babe and honey and Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and like he's trying to help her out because she gets taken by pitchfork and this is like one of the weirdest, longest, oddest scenes in the whole fucking movie. Oh, yeah. That didn't really make much sense to me, but I could see why they wanted to do certain things, but it could have been trimmed up a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, they could have made that a two-minute scene and not been so weird about it. But, like, so Pitchfork ties her up to some wall with, like, barbed wire and stuff around her arms and stuff like that. And, like... Matt walks in. He's like, oh, my God, babe, are you okay? He's like, we'll get you back in banging order. It's no time, you know, <laughs> like all sexual. And it's like he loves her. He's like forever banging, honey. Like and he's like undoing one of her arms. And as he's undoing it, she's like pointing with her that same hand to look to his right. Right. Which is so dumb. It's so dumb. It's like some cartoon shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> And, like, he looks over and fucking Pitchfork is, like, standing over her. And is like... <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I'm out of here, you know. <laughs> Loser. And then he goes outside and Claire's like, oh, my God, where's Lennox? And he was like, she's dead. 
<laughs> and she's and, not yet, like right, which is so typical of a a slasher trope. You know what I mean? Where the the coward runs away. <laughs> but like it, it was funny because like you go back in and the pitchfork for the next ten minutes is like rubbing his fake pitchfork all over her body. First, he starts with her nipples, tries to kiss her. Then he even at one point in time climbs the fence and fake mouth fucks her with his body. That was weird. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That like, was all weird too. And he's like, <laughs> like seriously, that was his voice. Yeah, she's not lying. It was. <laughs> it's very much See, like this. That. Is why the other movie they kept him quiet. This is why. <laughs> yeah, because you had the, to keep it up. Exactly. Yeah, poor guy, poor Daniel. Just kidding. Anyway, so he eventually kills her by stabbing her in the crotch. But it's this really long, overdone scene that really didn't have as much suspense as it should have. The shots in it weren't good. It was just like a steady cam. To, not even a steady cam. It was just like a single camera mm-hmm. sitting there. And it, it kind of, maybe it moved on both sides of them, but it just felt I like it, it was a static camera just sitting there. Mm-hmm. It, and it was a very long, like they didn't do any cut-ins to like close-ups and stuff as much as they should have. It felt out of place. Mm-hmm. She dies after him stabbing her in the crotch, sits underneath her and falls asleep, you think. And then he just pops up out of nowhere for Claire and Hunter and somebody else, I think. Oh, Matt, who's like, I'm going to fight him, you know. get You get Claire out of here and protect her. And right. then he, and he fights him. What happens in that fight? I forget. Oh, I don't even know. Yeah, I forget how he dies, but they cut back to Claire and Matt for one of the weirdest scenes in the movie. She's like, it's like obligatory. It's like almost like filler stuff. And it's like really meaningless conversation, too. He's like, are you all right? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm all right. Why are you like, why are you asking kind of thing? And she's like, are you all right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just kind of stare at each other. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, why is this a scene? Like, why is this in the movie? Like, uh, we both looked at each other. We're like, what the what's fuck? Going on? And the only reason it's in there is because they say, oh, we should go to the neighbor's house. Right. But they could have made it so much quicker. It was like they. Yeah. I don't know why they dragged it out. It was like it should have been like, oh, my God, we got to run. We got to get to help. Let's go to the neighbor's house. That's all they had to do. And then cut back to the fight scene with Matt and Pittsford. Mm-hmm. But it just, it was just like, it like stopped the action. Kind of like when you watch Godzilla and then the monsters are about to fight and then they just cut. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. That's how it kind of felt. Like, and I was like, what is. Yeah, go to commercial. Yeah, like, what yeah. the fuck is going on here? Why do we need to, like, right when it's getting good and it's like, there's going to be this showdown between Matt and Pitchfork. Like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, uh, Matt gets speared in the back with a part, with a rebar. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, like the stuff they use in concrete when they were like settling it or whatever. Right. It's like a long piece of rebar. He stabs him in the back and then fucking just goes to town on him. At this point in time, I literally thought Matt was Hunter because I was so confused because they're both wearing gray shirts and they're both white. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we can say that. We're just... No, but we, I was confused, right? Yeah, Remember, you were confused. I was like, they I can't just like, kill the talking? main guy. What the fuck is this movie all about? I was like, what are you talking about? That's not him. I like- was like, oh, that's Matt. Oh, okay. I thought, yeah, I, I don't know why. It doesn't matter. Because I thought he was a coward. So it didn't make sense that he was standing up to him. They didn't build it up right. Mm-hmm. But that was his re- redemption, I guess, arc, where he fights Pitchfork for Claire because 
Oh. You know. Right. Um, but that's when they run to the neighbor's house, the Hollisters, which if you look on the outside, it almost looked like the Flintstones sign. It was like oh, the Hollisters. Yeah, yeah. And like it's written in that like. That font. That, yeah. That 50s was, was, it font. The, was it the fit? Was it the Flintstones that I'm thinking of? Why? It I don't know. Like, it was like a 50s font that they used. I'd seen it in something else. That's all I know. Uh-huh. And it was like the Hollisters. And this old man pretends to call the cops for them. They're like, oh, he he had a pitchfork on his hand. He was like, oh, really? Okay, yeah, that but sounds they, normal. But they already called the cops. So why would you call the cops again? Yeah, I don't know. And yeah, that didn't make any sense. It He, like, goes and makes a call. And it's very obvious that... It's fake. That, that he didn't even make a phone call. Yeah. And... The, he walks out and he's like, hey, Ma, we got guests here. What the fuck are you doing? And then crazy, crazy Karen comes oh, out. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, so overactive. So, so they make him drinks that it looks like water. And there's powder and the, sitting on the counter. And he's like, hey, what's that? Oh, yeah. And then she was like, don't worry about it. And, and they she, drink it anyway. Yeah, and she gave him the drinks and then they drink it. It was so stupid. We were both like, what the fuck is going on? Why would they drink that? I would have been like, no, I'm good. Thank you. Yeah. Like, there's no way. And what are they going to do? Force me? Right. The jig is up then. Like, so I would, you know, it's That's nice so when somebody offers drinks, but like, come on. That, they were being very weird. Yeah. And they're so they're trying to crawl out of the house. So they and- fucking, yeah, they fall on the ground. They're acting drunk and, and fucked up. Drugs. And then Ma gets up on the fucking table and starts singing. Well, wait, wait. They tied him. They passed out and then they tied him to chairs. Not yet. She oh. got up on the counter and, uh, she starts singing uh, a, that song, whatever the fucking song. What was she singing? Wasn't it like a the whole world oh, that in song. his hands? He's got the whole while they're fucking on the ground, like trying to fucking get away. They wake up and they're tied to chairs. That's where they're at. And this is one of the fuck that most fucked up. <laughs> like this is where the movie got good for me in a way because it's so fucked up and depraved. It's just this one part. Like Glenn, kudos on this fucking <laughs> crazy part because I I just I it cracked me up. The mom literally straddles the fucking dude hunter and she's like so you're gay huh you got me all she's like don't worry i'll get you all hot and bothered or something like that and she grabs a jar off the table and she's straddling him and pees in the jar on top of him and she's like don't you worry we'll heal you up and she pours the pee on his wound on his head because he got hurt in in the scuffles and she We almost made a shot for that yeah, we called did. called Ma's special sauce or something <laughs> like that or whatever the fuck. And she was like, Ew. I was like, yeah, you just use lemon vodka and lemon and then you put vinegar in it and it'll be like a pea shot or something like that. And she was like, Jesus, no, that's too that. realistic. <laughs> so they, but this is the crazy thing. She pees in the jar and she's like, mama's going to make sure it burns good. Mama's all hot and bothered. And she's like, you're queer, right? And Claire gets stabbed in the ear immediately, which is like, and he's like, Claire, don't give up. Don't give up on me. And they're telling each other they love each other back and forth. Yeah, and, which is weird. Yeah. And then mom, the ma grabs a staple gun and starts stapling up Hunter's wound on his head after she poured her piss on his head. And then the old man stabs Claire in the stomach. And and then Hunter gets his arm free and he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. I'm going to fucking strangle you to shit out of you. And the old man straddles Hunter now and stabs one of his hands to the table and then the other one around him. So he's now Hunter's got his arms around the old man with his hands like 
with knived into the table. Knives into the table. And I'm like, what is what is going on here? But it was like kind of fascinating. He's like, you don't look so good. <laughs> really not the greatest acting here, but it's kind of, this is what kind of made me laugh. Like, I, this is why I was cracking up. Claire's was like, I love you. And Ma's like, shut it, you useless bitch. You don't know what love is. And she goes into this whole fucking story about why love isn't love and that you're better off just telling people that you're going to hurt them. She like reaches down into her son's pants, the pitchfork kid, who's chained up and she's grabbing his crotch and she's like, he's going to find his own path, his own way. We won't lose him. And and I'm like, and she's like, real love is looking someone in the eyes and saying, I'm going to hurt you real bad. And I mean, it's kind of cool. Like, honestly, this is kind of sadistic shit. I like that kind of stuff when I see that in the movies. Not really acted that well, although I got to give her credit. I don't know how well I would have acted in that situation, pissing in a jar. (laughs) Right, exactly. That's some straight Rob Zombie type fucking behavior right here. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like (laughs) the little sister comes in and shoots off the dude's fingers, the old man, and Hunter pulls both of his hands out of the table and stabs the old man in the head on both sides, screaming, take two of these and call me in the morning. (laughs) So bad so bad and then mom screams and she holds claire hostage and pitchfork pops up behind her and bites her neck ripping a huge chunk off because oh, that's right for some reason he's like he's he, pissed off because the mom's like tr- trying to take over yeah like oh she's like i think he got jealous of her at one point in time mm-hmm. like they kind of made it seem like anyway yeah i think so but that's when you know they walk away right it's it's hunter and claire And they walk off and they're just kind of like downtrodden walking down the street. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you see Pitchfork. He comes outside. Oh, it's the little girl and Claire and and Hunter, by the way. And then uh, Pitchfork comes outside and starts running at him. And she puts her hand up. She's like, stop, sit. (laughs) Kill. Yeah, kill. Kill. Like that was the very end, but. There was a time before it, she was like arguing with Hunter and she's like, how can you say that about him? He was lived a tortured life by his mom. You know, can't you see? And she's like talking to him like a dog. And (laughs) while she's being nice to him, Hunter and fucking Claire grabbed the largest chain I think I've ever seen. Clearly not a real chain, by the way. Oh, it was clearly not a real chain. <laughs> yeah, it was like that was Spirit Halloween all the way. Right, it was the chain was uh, like comically too big. Yeah, like these were like links you would like dock a boat, like you know what I mean, like a line. You need on a dairy farm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what he would had in front of the and and the rebar looked like plastic too. But what yeah, are you gonna it do? Matter. But they throw chains around his neck and over a branch and then lynch him. And then the girl, the little girl who was feeling bad for him even helps him and they hang him. And then that's when the next scene is them walking down the street all downtrodden like we're talking about and him running up and she, Jenny turns and says, stop, sit, now kill. And it cuts. At the end, thank Christina was like, kill me, kill me. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I did say that. You did. I was laughing. I, I, I actually really think it's funny. I'd watch it again because it's so bad it's good. <laughs> Would you not watch it again? Probably not. No. Really? 
No, I'd watch some scenes. I'd watch the pee-pee scene. Dude, that was some funny shit, dude. Yeah, that was funny. The pee-pee scene was like... Yeah. That was some out there shit, dude. Yeah. It just blew my mind, like, some of the stuff that was in this movie. It was all over the place, but... Mm-hmm. There's something enjoyable about it. I'd watch another movie that Glenn did. I think it would. I think it would be fun. Totally. He said that he was interested in doing like an Amish movie because of the how the actors were all scared. He's like, maybe I should do an Amish film where Amish people go killing people. That'd be cool. And I was like, yeah, maybe you should. Yeah, like they that. jump out of the shadows and shit. Yeah, suck your soul. Maybe it's like a some <gasps> sort of. There's some mythical uh, Amish thing, like right. Yeah, that, maybe. That's that tortures the Amish, but now it's like leaking out into the real world and they need the Amish's help. What if like the Amish have their own version of like conversion therapy or something? And that's where it goes like terribly wrong, you know? Like they're trying to like get the demon out of them because one of them's gay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when they turn like into like murderers and shit. But did you know when the Amish is like 16 or 18 or something they get a year away? Well, I remember and- that in like the Kingpin movie or something like that? No, they... the, I thought that was an actual thing. I saw a documentary. Maybe. Yeah, because they, they documented the kids who didn't go back. And right. most of the kids go back because it's like... Well, they they're supposed have... to find God or something, like themselves. Uh, yeah, themselves, Because they realized that if they tried to keep them, they would just go anyway. Yeah, they would, want, they would want to know. So they needed to have that piece where they actually come back. But yeah, that's it for this week, guys. Um, went a little longer than normal. Christina's about ready to tap out right now. She's just like staring at me like falling asleep we really appreciate you guys coming through this week it was interesting to talk about these films we had fun watching them i did anyway i don't know about you but i had a blast watching these ones next week we've been thinking about watching um hello mary lou prom night two and prom night three because prom night two and three is directed by a gay man and then the sequel was directed and written by him Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe we could do those two because we've been wanting to watch them anyway. Right. Prom Night 2 is like a so bad it's good film. And you know me. I love that shit. I'm pretty sure part two is on Shutter. It was last I checked. Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss. It's uncut as well, by the way, guys. So you can check it out on uh, YouTube. It seems like it's been up there for eight years, so I don't think anybody has any problem with it. It would have been taken down by now. Probably not the greatest copy, but 480p is fine by me for these old movies. So if you want to check both those out, we should be good. Sound good to you? Yep. All right. Thank you, guys. Let us know what you think about these films. Did we do it justice? Did we not do it justice? You know, we're trying our best here, guys. So let us know what you think about this episode, those movies that we watched today. Are you going to check them out? Let us know in the comment section down below or to us personally like you always do. But thanks for coming by. And as always, long live the voice.